I want to encourage you today that if you give your heart to the Lord, when you, uh, when you allow him to use you, he will take you to the most incredible and the most amazing places. It really doesn't matter where you have come from. It doesn't matter what's happened inside of your life. It doesn't matter how far that you have fallen. When you give your heart to him, he can make something beautiful out of your life. And you need to know that, that one day he will send you to nations to bring hope to a lot of people, Kenneth. And uh, I pray that today that the Lord would touch you and the Lord would stir something in your heart. I looked at a video during the week of one of the young girls that used to be in this church. She was in the, she was in the youth group. She was, a little bit, uh, she was a little bit out there. One of the things I saw her on, on, on Facebook during the week was she's in the middle of uh, Syria, helping the Syrian refugees. And uh, this is a young girl that was raised in the youth in this church and now going into the, one of the darkest places in the world to bring hope and to bring help to, to some of the people that are torn by, uh, torn by warfare. And I know so many people have gone from this place and gone to make significant stands in the world and carry a significant influence. And I encourage you today, it doesn't matter where you're from, if you would give your heart to Jesus, if you would allow him to touch and transform your life, there is nothing else that can compare in this world than being used by God, whether it's in the smallest way or it's in a great way. It doesn't really matter. The fact that we get used by God to make his name great and to bring hope to people, that has got to be one of the greatest experiences that you could ever, ever have. You know, our businesses, the things that we put our hands on or to, many of them will just fade away. But what really counts is what we build for God and what we build in people's lives. There's nothing that compares to the investment into the kingdom of God and the investment into the people's lives. And I want to encourage you today, reach out to people. Make a decision in your heart that you won't just live your life just going through your daily affairs and never live a life that's bigger than just your own world. And all of us have got troubles or difficulties or challenges that we've got to face. And it's so easy to get consumed by all these things. And be, we, be, we end up being limited by that. And our world becomes defined by the difficulties or the, all these different priorities in our life. But there's nothing that compares when you make an investment into the kingdom, when you make a decision to sacrifice your life. I was just looking, to that, just looking at some photos during the week of the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people coming together in Pakistan. And I know, in my, I just reflected in my heart that I remember the day that God called us to Pakistan to, just to help make a difference and to now to see the hope that, that Jesus is bringing to so many mullahs, million Muslims around the world and to know that I had a part of, in that, that I just made myself available. And uh, that gives me incredible joy. And uh, I encourage you to invest in your life into things that really matter. Bruce, I just really want to honor you today. Bruce grieves you your birthday and just love you so much and uh, I don't know about you I, I don't know if this is still your favorite song but super tramp dreamer you're nothing but a dreamer <laughs> don't stop dreaming brother don't stop believing I'm pretty sure that's your favorite song <laughs> well it used to be when I welcome my mum back today she's been over in Taiwan and uh, been up in the I just want to pick up uh, from where I've been preaching on, because I'm really feeling it uh, in my own heart. I've, I've, I've been a few things I'm feeling the Lord been speaking to me about. One is just to build a relationship with Him, and there's nothing else that really matters. And as I walk the street, my dark road at night time, looking up at the stars, I really wanted to build in my heart, uh, build in my life a fresh walk with the Lord, a fresh relationship with the Lord. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I'll grow old one day, I'll go, I don't know where my life will end. None of us do. But what really matters is what we build in relationship with the Lord. And I encourage you that there'll be so many pressing things around your life. But I encourage you to make time to invest into your relationship with the Lord. Start somewhere. Even if you just start five minutes a day, you don't even have to say anything. But just sit there before the Lord and acknowledge that He is God and that you're not. And that your life is in His hands. That's a good place to start. <laughs> Right? Another good place to start is start to talk with him. Ask him about his plans for your life. Start to tell him how much you appreciate him. Tell him much, how much you acknowledge his, and be grateful for what he's done in your life. When you start to do that, you add value into the relationship with him. And when you start valuing value into the relationship with him, you'll find that your life starts to, starts to bubble over with the, with, the, with, the, with the life of Christ. And I encourage you to grow on that. There's nothing else that really matters. And also, I've also felt God speak to me about fresh vision for the church, which I'll unpack over the next little while, and I'll encourage you to be a part of that. But we need to be growing. 
And uh, I want to just pick up where I've been speak, uh, where I felt God speak to me about is uh, about the journey of Israelite people going from a place of slavery into becoming one of the most prosperous nations in the world today. And it's the whole narrative of, uh, so I'm going to really pick up of the word naso again, which means to lift up, which means to one, to, to, to lift up, to lift your head, and also to, uh, uh, to lift up the head of others. And so there's many different uh, expressions that come from the word naso. Uh, the book of Numbers is, uh, just if you, were, if you haven't been here, I'll just give you a quick brief. The book of Numbers is not just about counting people. It's not about just naming a whole bunch of people. The book of Numbers is a distinct turn in the journey of, Israelites, of the Israelite people from running away into a place of prosperity. It's one thing to be running from something. It's another thing to be in an okay position. But it's another thing to be turning and walking and prospering in your life. Prospering is simply be moving forward in your life. And prosperity is something that you can learn. The Bible say, Paul said, I've learned to be both content and I've learned how to prosper. And so he's learned how to be prosperous in all things and content in all things. So the word uh, naso is, is from the word numbers, which means to lift your head. In order for us to prosper in every aspect of our life, we must have a, a lifting of our head or a lifting of our thinking. Another translation or another definition of it is royalty. In other words, that there is a lifting not just of our heads, but a lifting of our status in life. And so one of the things with the Israelite people was this, that they were lifted from a place of slavery. And the Bible says that we are once slaves to sin, but now we are a royal priesthood. That God elevates our life, that we're no longer bound in slavery, but you are and I are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. That's quite a big difference from where we were. And uh, my encouragement to you is this, is this is the journey that God has for our life, that you would not be caught up in the issues of sin, that you would not be caught up as a slave to the world or a slave to the devil, that you'll be walking in the fullness of what he has for you to be. And we can learn from the book of Numbers. And so the narrative of Moses and the Israelite people is the journey of a broken people who were slaves to becoming a prosperous nation, a nation that has been in captivity more than once, survived the Holocaust, and has once again become its own prosperous state. There is something about the nation of Israel. There is something about what God has done in the nation of Israel that the world cannot deny. It's been around for thousands of years. It's been through all sorts of various uh, pits and holes and holocaust, survived some of the most horrific tragedies in all the world. But yet today, they're one of the, one of the if you want to know who holds the world's finance, you look at the Jewish people. Uh, there's something about the Jewish people that God's, had, God's hand is upon the nation of Israel, upon this whole journey. So there's got to be something in there that we've got to learn. And uh, that same journey that the Israelites went on is, uh, is very similar to ours. The narrative also applies to us in many ways, that we start disconnected from God, and we are slaves to sin, to becoming a royal priesthood, the family of God, the sons and daughters of God Almighty, diverse yet unified. And so when you look at the story of the Israelites' journey, your life and my life can very, very much, we can, we can we're not going to be beaten with rods or anything like that. But essentially, our life's journey is very, has very, as much of a similarity. And for us to grow and to prosper as a church, to become the city on a hill, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, I believe that one of the things that we have to learn to do is to embrace diversity. If you look at the, again, I want to recap what the word Nassau means. The starting of prosperity of the, the, of the Israelite people was not just coming out of, out of captivity, but it was, that, was, was Nassau, it was, it was about lifting of the heads. And one of the things we talked about the other week was the word Nassau also means that we can lift opposites. It means, that it, when you look at the word um, the paradox, which means opposites, completely opposite. And so the Jewish or the Hebrew uh, definition of the word paradox is also found in the word Nassau, which simply means we're not just lifting our own heads, but we learn to lift the heads of other people, especially those who are different from us. Learning how to lift those who are opposite to us. In other words, learning not just be interested in our own prosperity, but understand that my destiny is found in your life as well. And that my destiny is, yes, it's in Christ alone, but he says it's also found in our relationship with people. So the nation of Israel, it wasn't just enough for them just to lift their heads as individuals, but God was also calling them, actually, because your destiny is intertwined together, it's really important that you learn to lift the heads of those who are different from you. And from that idea is where we get the, the idea of marriage. 
We understand that boys and girls are different. You don't have to look very far to see that they are very different in many different ways. But when a husband and wife come together as individuals, but when they come together as one, the whole idea of, of NASO is simply to this. It means to lift opposites, or it reflects the ability to hold and simultaneously carry apparent opposites in order to unite, synthesize them, and combine them into one. And so one of the things we find in, your, in our life is that the idea of paradox or the idea of opposites is all through our life and it's all through the Bible. It's all through Scripture you'll find that there are things that are completely opposite but yet true at the same time. If you, under, if you just look at that husband and wife, uh, I mean, even right back into creation, when God created husband, man and woman, he said, let them have dominion over all the earth. In other words, he put a little bit of himself in the man, a little bit of himself in, in the woman, and that together that they would have dominion, not one over the other, but together they would demonstrate the goodness and the, and, and, and the reflect the glory of God. And so it's important that you and I learn how to work together, especially, first of all, in our marriages, but especially also as the body of Christ. Because I believe this, that as the Israelite people were diverse in many ways, there were 12 tribes. They were all quite different. You can read through the characteristics of the tribe, and you'll find that each of those tribes had a very, very different quality. They were very, very different in their expression. They probably even the different with how they looked. There was an incredible diversity throughout the nation of Israel in terms of tribal. But none of them was completely true on their own. Actually, coming together is what formed them as, as a nation. And I believe one of the things that we find in this world today, the issue of racism in is, is, is many different um, aspects has come into a head. Uh, but I believe as you and I as the church, we have the answer of how to deal with this. You and I have the answer. The answer's in the Bible about learning how to reconcile people. So the, the whole idea of being able to, uh, to lift up opposites really is the ministry of reconciliation. And so reconciliation is all the way through the Bible. The Bible clearly shows how we are to reconcile, how we can come together, and, but yet, and so in one sense, have our own uniqueness and not all become clones, but yet come together within our diversity. And I believe this, that as the body of Christ, that we can come together as a church family, understanding that we're going to have a whole pile of differences, and neither is going to be right, and so everyone's going to be right according to their own eyes. But yet as we come together in a place of unity, that is where the power will be. And I believe for this, for uh, one of the things we'll discover is that in life and in Scripture, there are so many different paradoxes. In other words, even in leadership, you'll find that there are many paradoxes, things that are so different, but yet very true in the, in, in the same entity. You, you think about big and small. I mean, big is the opposite from small, but actually uh, when God is big, but yet he, is, he wants us to grow large. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to move forward. But he's also interested in the smallest details of our life. So, it's been, uh, uh, so a lot of people in terms of their thinking some people think small, and it's good to think small in some aspects. Other people think big. It's good to think big in other aspects. The ability to be able to combine those two paradoxes and, uh, is where there is a lot of power. There's a lot of strength. So one of the things, there's a whole pile of uh, paradoxes. I'll just go through. A, a, look, I could go on for hours, but I just want to give you a few, a few, few thoughts. One is young and old. You'll find that in this church, in our lives, we'll have young people, and the opposite of young is old. So the question, the issue is that we'll have a whole pile of people in this church from various age ranges. And our capacity to be able to unite them, our capacity to, uh, to come together and not, not lose our individual identity, but learn to come together and flourish as a whole, is where there is great power. And uh, there's another one here. It's, uh, you look through, uh, like in Paul, where he said, I've learnt in all things how to be prosperous and I've learnt how to be content. You can find those two, two, two ideas of being content and being prosperous. They can sound opposite. That is a paradox in that it's one thing to be content. In other words, I'm grateful for what I have. To be prosperous is to moving forward. It seems like it's the opposite. But yet somehow he's found a way to reconcile the, the both ideas of being content and being prosperous together to become and living a life that's full. So you'll find that all through our life we'll find that there are paradoxes that we've got to deal with. You'll find that in the, in the scripture you'll find that there's, it talks about faith. It also talks about works. Which one is true? Well, they both are. 
they're both together. You'll find that there is faith and wisdom. There's another paradox. You'll find that some people are, are really uh, believing so much in God, but yet one of the things that they lack is wisdom. And learning to reconcile aspects of faith and wisdom is important for prosperity in our life. Sometimes if we have too much of this and not enough of that, we find that we get lopsided in life. You'll find that in life, especially in the church and in every area of our lives, we'll find that there's a whole pile of paradoxes. You'll find that there's grace and holiness. Uh, it's another paradox. They're both true. Uh, striving and resting. It's one thing to strive. Paul strived for the things that are ahead, but it's another thing to rest. They are both true, but yet they're both the same. This is kind of make a little bit of sense. So we've got to find in our lives that there are paradoxes all through our lives and all through Scripture. And both together, they, are, they come together as a harmony. Mercy and justice, gifting and character, structured versus flowing. And you'll find that people, every person is designed to function a specific way. You'll find some people, they are really flowing in life. It's like they can just flow anytime, anywhere, any space. It doesn't really matter. Don't give me a plan. We'll just go with the flow. Other people, they can't do that. They'll find that they have to have everything structured, got to have everything down to a T. The question is, which one is right? Well, they're both right. It's learning how, to, learning how to reconcile both those aspects in our lives, learning how to reconcile both those aspects in an organization and in the church. You'll find one of the things I studied was, was, was leadership and management in organizations. And you'll find that even in leadership, you'll find that there are so many paradox things that are, seem seem diametrically opposed, but yet are true at the same time. You'll find that even strategy, some people, like in a, in a business term, you'll, you'll, you may hear the term um, a deliberate strategy versus an emergent strategy. In other words, one is a very deliberate thing and planned, another one is just see how we go along the way and see what opportunities come. Which one is right? Well, it depends on which side of the fence. You, they both can be right. And so my issue is this. To be able to prosper, coming back to the, 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 what... what what Moses was talking about, and the big, one of the beginning points of prosperity is learning how to reconcile things that are opposite, or learning how to reconcile things that uh, are maybe different, and especially with people, because we find that people are different. This church is made up of many different walks, and many different backgrounds, many different cultures, and many different age brackets. It's a whole range of diversity within this church here. One of the things we also find is that even in the church, it's like whether there's a reflective praise, or reflective worship, or loud and expressive. They're both good. You'll find that they're both good. They're both important. Divine providence versus freedom of choice. I mean, that's a remarkable paradox in itself, is that, yes, does God have control over everything? Yes, he does. Divine providence, does God have his hand on every detail of our life? Yes, he does. But what about free choice? It's both the same. It's, it's both and. And learning how to reconcile and learning to understand that, yes, God does have the world under his, in his hands, but yet we also have freedom of choice. So not, and you'll, you'll find that people uh, can often use that as an excuse to offload responsibility or offload, the, uh, uh, offload issues in their life. Well, God's just got everything in control. Yes, he has. There's also an issue of personal responsibility and personal choice. Do you understand what I mean? It's a paradox. It's, it's, it's both the same, but learning to reconcile. Yes, God does have things in control of our life, but yes, there's also such a thing as personal choice, and the two things do work together in harmony. You can't just abdicate your life and think God's got everything in control and abdicate responsibility. You, and you can't just be, have your life so controlled, but that there's no influence of the Holy Spirit inside of your life. So it's learning to reconcile both of these, all these different aspects in our life. Uh, you'll find there's another thing, godly order versus per, personal, uh, personal giftings, uh, the dust of the earth and, and, and eternal beings. We are both. It's one thing to look at yourself as, a, as the dust of the earth. We are that. The Bible says that you and I, are the, we are made, we are formed from the dust of the earth, but yet we are also an eternal being that will live forever. So in other words, one of the things we need to understand is, one, let's not think of ourselves too low and that we're the dust of the earth, but neither think that we're too high and that we are gods. Actually, we are both, that we have weaknesses, we have flaws and failures, but yet we also have the grace of God that works, still works powerfully in our lives. And it's learning how to reconcile these various aspects in our life that will help us come to a place of prosperity. Uh, another, here's a big one as well. Another one you'll find in the scripture is this, that being separate from the world, 
or being sanctified, being set apart, that is something that we are called to do. We're also called to be, Jesus said, it, it was known of Jesus that he was the friend of the sinners. How can you be the same? How can you be? That, that sounds like they're two opposite things. Friend of a sinner, but yet he associated with sinners. He associated, he was known as the friend of sinners. He went eating and drinking with them. That's all it says about that. It doesn't, doesn't say whether he was, he was on, the, on the gas or anything like that. But what it does say that he associated with sinners, but yet he was also a man that knew no sin. And so you'll find even as for us as a church, you'll find within the body of Christ, you'll have people that uh, absolutely have no Christian friends at all. Oh, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I don't want to mess into their lives. I want to spend my whole 365 days of the year prayer and fasting and spending time with the Lord because I'm set apart and I won't have nothing to do with those people. Sounds noble and sounds, sounds fine. But yet, if you lived according to that way, you'd never be able to carry the dimension. You'd never be able to win people. You have to, we have to learn to reconcile people. And you'll find that there are some churches, they will, uh, they will separate themselves so far from the things of the world that I don't even know how they can ever grow. And so you'll find that, yes, there are paradoxes. You'll find that, there, yes, there are things in life, things in the Scripture that they seem opposite, but yet they can be true at the same time. One thing... And one of the things I've just been thinking about is this. That there's, if there's one thing that people struggle with is NASO, or the ability to able to reconcile or bring together our differences to a place of unity. Because one of the things we find is we like to just associate with people who think the same as we do, who look the same as we do, who have the same interests as we do, that are essentially just the same as that we are. We find it very hard to, uh, to be able to reconcile paradoxes, to be able to reach out to people that are different, reach out and not just reach out, but actually welcome them into their lives and come to a place of unity. Because we will find that as we grow, and as you'll find that even in this place, as you look around, there is so much, so much diversity in this place. And it's the ability for my role as one of my roles as a leader, but it's all of our responsibility is learning to reconcile or bring together people that are different, who think different, who have a different worldview, who can see the same issue from a completely different perspective, and both could be right. And I believe for this is the body of Christ, for us to prosper, for us to be the city on the hill, the, 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 the light of the world, the salt of the earth. It's not about just being clones. Because we live in a multicultural society. And one of the things I believe is this about um, our capacity to bring forth, to bring together people that are different and not make them clones, but celebrate the diversity and work together. I believe at that place, we will come to a place where we are the city on the hill, the light of the world. If there's one place that I believe for us as a church, have, we have to acknowledge that, yes, there are people that are going to be different. You look at the cultures here. Cultures will have a different uh, perspective on, on church, on their walk with the Lord. You'll find that you just have to ask around and look around to see the diversity. Which one's right? Maybe they all are. I mean, according, uh, you know, within, a, within the biblical pro, uh, frame. But it's our capacity to unite people, our capacity to bring uh, a unification within our own heart of issues, and also a, a capacity to, to bring together people that are different, I believe it will bring us into a place of prosperity. You, you think about this, the word ehad, E-C-H-A-D, one of the things uh, Shane brought out, which simply means unity within diversity. What it's not, what it's not, and it's, it's the Hebrew, Hebraic idea that really holds the world together. In other words, that the world and all its diversity can somehow work together in order to create this beautiful world that we live in. None of which are clones. So Ehad being unity within diversity simply means, I believe, is this. It doesn't mean that we're losing our unique sense of identity yet we're combining it with somebody else and with something else and together we come and we make up the dynamic and beautiful body of Christ and where the world wants to live separate or um, point the finger or, or, or this or that the body of Christ comes together in a, in a place of blessing and f but for many of us we find it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do as prosperity is something that can be learned so too can the ability to reconcile paradoxes in fact 
It actually requires learning. It doesn't just come automatically. In the same way prosperity, you, you learn how to prosper. If it can, uh, Paul said, I've learned how to prosper. Prosperity can be learned. Contentment can be learned. You can learn how to reconcile things that are different to you. I'll give you a few examples. In Psalm 133, it says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the bed, the bed of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands a blessing, and the blessing is life forevermore. I want to be in a place where God commands a blessing on our lives. I want to be in the place where that, the blessing of life evermore, that I can experience the life of God, the eternal life of God. I want that, I want that blessing commanded over my life. I want that blessing commanded over your life. I want that blessing commanded over us as a church and over the wider body of Christ. That for there the Lord commanded a blessing. In other words, I say it's or where he commands a blessing or he commands prosperity. When, when something is blessed, it's prosperous, it moves forward. I want the prosperity of God on my life. I want that upon your life. I want that on as a church. But to do that, it says when there is unity, God commands that. What he's not saying is when there's conformity, God commands that. And this is a scripture that can often be misused. Often leaders can misinterpret or or misuse this piece of scripture to try and get conformity. What, the, what he's not saying is, is that you all become clones and all look the same, sound the same, uh, be the same. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is unity. Unity is quite different from being com- of, of conformity. The verse can be easily misused. An insecure leader can try and get people to comply to their thing. They can very easily misinterpret disagreement as rebellion. Unity is not the absence of disagreement. Unity is not the absence of disagreement. It certainly isn't. But one of the things you find is, as an insecure father or an insecure leader, wherever you are, one of the things that, you, that, that can often be uh, phrased is that actually we need to come into a place of unity, which means that all of you have got to do, what I, do as I say, do as I do, dress the same, look the same, sound the same, think the same, all of that. That's conformity. It's not unity. Huh? I don't want you to dress the same as me. I don't want you to sound the same as me. I want you to be who you are, but yet together become the body of Christ. Whether it's your culture, whether it's your race, I don't want, us, I don't want you... That's unique to you. You don't have to be the same as everyone else. In fact, you'll find that when people try, I won't bring it out today, but when the Israelites tried to fit in with other cultures, it didn't work out for them. But when they remained true to who they were, but unified within that, that's when they began to prosper. And you'll find that uh, even in a, in a day, to, in, in, in the age where we're living in today, you'll find that there's so much cross-cultural or cross uh, Boundaries are being mixed. It's what happens, we end up losing our unique identity within that. You look at male and female, husband and wife. You look at the children with, with genders and things like that. It starts to add confusion and actually defeats the whole purpose. So disagreement is not rebellion. One of the things you'll find is even as Moses was helping the people come into a place of prosperity... His, dis- his sisters disagreed with him. I don't know about you, but I've got sisters. They disagree with me. But disagreement is not rebellion. But often it gets misinterpreted that way. If you've got a, you know, if you're married or something like that, is she going to disagree with you? It's not rebellion. It's just that she disagrees. My wife disagrees with me. It doesn't mean she's rebellious at all. She just disagrees. How many, how many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. The fact that your husband disagrees with you doesn't mean he's in rebellion to you. Oh, yes. 
I knew that was going to get a little bite somewhere. <laughs> Even for my kids, you know, I know I'm the head of the house. But I don't try, as the head of the house, I don't try and get them to conform what I think they should do. Sure, there are rules and boundaries and th th those things that need to be there. But yet, at the same time, they also have ideas that they can contribute. They are different. I've got girls, they're small girls, some are bigger girls. They're different to me. They think differently. And sometimes they disagree. Sometimes it's rebellion, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> and you'll find that wherever you've got differences of people, you'll find that you'll have differences of thought, differences of idea. You'll see the same things in a completely different way. Even in the church situation here today, a great revelation is I am not the all-seeing eye. <laughs> I, I do not have all the answers. I don't have all the answers of how to grow the church. I don't have all the answers to reach the city. I don't have all the answers. I only see a small bit. That's why I've got to have a good wife. <laughs> and that's why you are here. That you see what we are. You see the body from a different perspective. And just because you don't, dis you don't agree doesn't necessarily mean you're in, re in rebellion. One of the things I want to encourage you, wherever you are in leadership, is this... Uh, a, a secure leader is not threatened by differences and welcomes dialogue over issues. It's open to new ideas. So I want to put it out here today. As for us to move forward as a church, I do not have all the answers. One of the things I do want to do is I want to keep prospering. I want us as a church to prosper. I want to get better. I want to uh, do better at what we do. I want to make the name of the Lord great. I want to improve our kids' facility. I want to create, create a better experience. I want us to prosper in every different way. The, question, the issue is I don't have all the answers, but maybe you do. And so I encourage you to do this, and I openly welcome you to do this, is that if you have ideas, we may not agree on the idea, but I want you to become forward in saying something. I want you to, who knows, you may have the idea. And one of the things I, I studied was design thinking. And design thinking was about learning to get input from different parts of the organization, learning how to, how to uh, in other words, is empathy. It's learning how to see their situation or, or see an issue from a different perspective. And sometimes it's not the CEO ha has all the answers. Sometimes it's the receptionist. Sometimes it's the new person that's coming through the door that sees it from a whole different light. Sometimes it's a different culture that walks in the, in the, in the room and says, here, have you thought about this? Or here's how I see this. Here's how we can improve this. Here's how we can do this better. You understand? And, and for me, this is, this is something in my heart that I want you to be, as, as a church family, be open to, uh, put it this way, I, I certainly won't, tag you as being in rebellion if you, don't, if you don't agree or if you come up with a different idea. Hello? It's okay, I'm secure enough on that. I want you to feel like you can come forward. I want you to feel like that you can talk to me about things. I want you to feel like if there's something that concerns you or something that you notice that's important to you that we can do better, I want to hear from you. I promise you won't be shot down. I can tell you now, it's on record, it's on YouTube. Uh, I, don't have, I don't have all the answers. Right? I won't lay, just make sure you come in the right spirit. Yeah? Feedback. Feedback is important. Feedback is about getting input from people or perspectives that are different from your own. One example of, uh, an example of not feedback is, oh, you took too long to do this, or you're not good enough. That's not feedback, that's just an opinion. Feedback could, could be, it's much more specific. And, and look, I won't go into that right now, but I want to encourage you today. This is our church. This is not just me. It's not just you. This is us. And every person here today and who's not here today has something of value to add. And when the Bible says, when the, when, when, it doesn't say when people are compliant that God comes, commands a blessing. It says when there is unity. We are going to have disagreements. We're going to have disagreements about the music, about the paint on the wall, about the carpet on the floor, about how we should do this, how we should do that. We're going to have disagreements. My point being is this. Don't feel bad if you don't agree. <laughs> I encourage you. I welcome you to come forward. I welcome you to... To, to bring forward what you see because I want, because I know for me is this, that our destinies are, are, are in this together. And if we can come to a place of unity, I know that our nation will be blessed. Great power can come from this place where we come together in a place of unity. It doesn't mean that we're all going to look the same, sound the same, or become clones. 
To improve or to grow as an individual requires the input of people who are different or even opposite to you. I know for my own leadership growth, I can't grow as a leader just by myself. I can't grow as a leader by just spending hours and time with the Lord. I will do that. But I can't grow as a leader just by myself. I need to grow as a leader by the input of other people into my life. People that are very remarkably different sometimes. How many people know what I'm talking about? And sometimes it's a very awkward thing to do when you, because many of us just like to be around people that like us and accept us for who we are. Yes, that's true, but not stay as you are. God accepts you as you are, yes, but he doesn't expect you to stay as you are. As a church, yes, we, expect you, we accept you as you are, but I don't want you to stay as you are. That's not, that's not prospering, that's not moving forward. One of the things that have helped me grow as a, as a leader is being around people that are remarkably different or just even a little bit different from me. I'll give you a funny example. I was just thinking about this today. I, I did an MBA, right? And we've got executives there from a whole bunch of different organizations. And we've got people from all walks of life, all wanting to grow as leaders. Right? And so they, we got all this information, all this teaching and, and all this sort of stuff. And we're, so it, was, it was fantastic. But then they put on this, what's called a, a leadership development weekend. In other words, it was an intensive in order for us to come together and, and to grow on the inside, to grow in our hearts, to grow in our emotions. And so you've got, a, you've got a whole pile of these executives there. There was one farmer there, and he was just as rough as guts. He was as loud. He was just, he had no hair. He was very short, but he was big, and he was hairy, and he would swear, and he would spit, and he was just awesome guy, fantastic guy. And there was another guy there that um, he, uh, he was quite remarkably different. Anyway, they, they wanted to bring us into the space where they wanted to help us grow as leaders. So, okay, here we go. And so what they did was this. They got this, 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 this English lady who was, a, who was a drama teacher. Because we're, you know, people thinking that, you know, grow as leadership, got to learn all these principles and all these sort of things. One of the things they said was actually got to learn to, you got to get the, you got to get the life out of your heart. You know, it's not, leadership is not just about being a CEO or anything. It's about connecting with people. We're going to help you to connect with people. So, okay. <laughs> We're going to give some exercises to help unbottle, unpickle the things inside of your heart. So, so this lady comes in, and she is remarkably different. <laughs> she is the sweetest thing. But she is remarkably different. She is a British dance drama teacher, and she is just full of bubbles, man. She is the bubbles in champagne. And she is far from an executive coach than you can ever imagine. She's remarkably different from anyone else in the classroom. And so one of the things we had to do was she said, okay, we're going to learn how to unpack the inside of you. I know that some of you are all very logical and you like things just like that. But that's not the best thing for leadership. We need you to get in touch with your emotions and help you. <laughs> leadership is not just about standing up in front of a boardroom and, and, and giving all these instructions. It's about learning to be in touch with what's going on in the inside. And you can see the sweat starting to pour out on these people's face. <laughs> I thought I've come here to learn how to be a CEO. Yes, we're going to help you do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to just stand and we're going to put all the seats away like this. And it's going, oh, two. <laughs> Some of these guys are like, get me out of here. For somebody, where is the bar? We need to run. This is just awkward now. Uh, and so anyway, we start to, what I want, we're going to put the music on. We're going to just start to dance around the room. <laughs> Different. Different. <laughs> so anyway, we just start to dance around the room to get and help get in touch with your emotions. <laughs> Learn to free yourself up. I looked at it, I thought, this is just like church on Sunday. <laughs> so we had to dance, and then we had to find, next thing you know, we had to do soul gazing. Because leadership and bringing the best out of people is not just doing it remotely, but about learning how to connect with people's hearts. Okay, you've got you to admit, this is darn awkward. She is different. 
just give me the lecturer back and talk me about the leadership stuff. That's just much better. That'll help me grow more. But the whole point is that she was different, and we had to allow somebody who was different to help get into a different part of our heart and unlock that. So anyway, the, the soul-gazing exercise comes along. Here I am, a pastor, right? I thought I'd just get a normal person. Soul-gazing is like this. What I want you to do now is you're going to get a partner, and you're just going to look into their eyes. You're going to look into their eyes for five minutes, just gaze. Okay? And then after you've finished gazing for five minutes, one of you is going to start to lead off and you are going to share about an intimate moment in your life. Oh, Lord. I'm a pastor. Guess who God puts in front of me? I'll put, a, I'll put it another way. I'm straight. I, I'm dead straight. I have one wife. The guy comes in front of me and we're just staring, gazing at each other. So. And he starts to share about his moment of coming out. Sometimes you've got to learn how to connect with people that are a little bit different from you. Somehow you've got to learn to not be repelled by people that are different from you. This particular individual was not just, he was, he was gay, but he wasn't just gay. He was the head of the, whatever it was. And so he talked to me about his, shared with his, his moment about how he came out and I had to tell his mum for the first time. It was remarkably different. Sometimes it's easy to shun people away that are different from you. Sometimes it's easy to put people aside that are not the same as you, that think different from you. And I believe this, that for us to come to a place of prosperity, for us as in our heart, and also as in the church, it doesn't mean that we agree with everything. It doesn't mean to say that we call things that are evil good. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we've got to learn how to embrace people that are different from us. Not just embrace them. But how can I help them prosper in a part of their life? How can I help somebody who's different from me feel better about themselves? I'm just talking about basic stuff here. How can I help somebody? How can I lift somebody's emotion? How can I lift somebody's status in life that is different from me, who maybe even doesn't agree with me? How can I make room for them to prosper? Just recently, we had a pastor that came through, and look, we are diametrically opposed in terms of what we believe. That wasn't the point. The point is, how can I help somebody who's different from me and regain honor inside of their life? How can I elevate their status? How can I bless them? How can I restore honor inside of their life? How can I learn from them? How can I, in this, this lovely British lady who was a drama teacher, I could learn from her. And one of the first things I, I found myself doing is thinking, I don't need this sort of stuff in my life. Actually, I did. <laughs> because I was more bottled up than I thought I would be. And it's learning how to reconcile. You'll find that there is, you'll have a propensity for one way in your life. And I know one of the amazing things about my dad was this. He's able to reconcile differences in his life. Some people are very analytical. You know, it's great. We need these people in our life, but we also need people that know how to have a good time. We need people in our lives. We need people that are different. We need different cultures. We need diversity in this house. And my encouragement to you today is our capacity to unite differences and help us prosper as individuals. That's an expression of love. Love is like a detergent. It has the capacity to clean, but it also has the capacity and the ability to hold opposites together. You know about detergent? Detergent can hold Oil, and it can hold water. Oil and water apparently don't mix, but you add a detergent with it. A detergent has the ability to hold on to a water molecule, and it also has the ability to hold on to an oil molecule. Love is like a detergent. Love is like an emulsifier. Love is something that will bring people together who is different, but yet come together in a place of unity. 
And I encourage you today, I bless you today, that for us to move forward, that we're not wel- that we welcome diversity in our lives, that we make a, a point of difference, that we make a decision in our lives, that we would reach out to people that are, are remarkably different. With your food basket and my food basket, the, pro- the, the people will live. Here's a couple of things. I'm just going to close in here. Here's, a, here's, here's, a, here's something, some Jewish principles that just help uh, the Jewish people work together. Principle one, keep talking even when we disagree. The more you talk, the more you're able to eventually find a way to work together. Principle two, listen deeply to one another. Hear what people are saying. On one side, we can be good talkers, but on another side, we can be the worst listeners. Be humble. Always try to understand the point of view to which you disagree. It remains one of the first rules of conflict management. Just learning to, be, to have empathy, to learn to be humble and just learn how, what a person's thinking. Number, um, number four, never seek victory. Don't think disagreement in terms of victory and defeat, right or wrong. Think of in terms of what's best for us. Think of it in terms of life or death. My dad always said to me, he said, never get into a disagreement about right and wrong. Is this right and this is wrong? Or even with people. Actually, it's never about that. Let it be about life and death. What leads us to relationship or what separates us from relationship? Remember that the ultimate basis for our, us as a church is this, that all of us are responsible for one another. We may not agree on anything, but we still remain a single family. We are individuals, but yet we are also a family. If you disagree with a friend, tomorrow he may say may no longer be your friend. But if you disagree with a family member, tomorrow he or she is still part of your family. Being a family is what keeps us together. We don't need to agree with each other, but we do need to care about each other. Third part, last one is this. God chose us as a people. And as a people, we will stand before God. I believe is this. We will stand before God as individuals. But I believe we will stand before God as a, as a, as a family as well. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We will stand before God and give an account of our life as individuals. But I also believe that we'll stand before God together and say, how do we get on together? Were we able to unite our differences? All of us are called to make some effort, some gesture, to listen to one another, to forgive one another, to stay together as an extended and almost infinitely varied family. My encouragement to you today is that you would reach out to people. As Romans 5 verse 8 says that, but God demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, that while we were separate, opposite from him, he still died for us. He reached out to us and he still reaches out to us today. Friends, that is the Jesus Christ that we come here to serve. That is the Jesus Christ that we love. That even when we're opposite to him, he still made a bridge. He still reached out and welcomed us into his family. In the same way, if we're going to be more Christ-like, what we don't want is compliance. We don't want that. We want unity. We want all of us to carry a spirit where we will reach out to people that are different, that we will reach out in the spirit of love, welcome them into our lives, welcome their ideas, welcome their input. And I believe that as we do that, we will find that God will command a blessing over our life. And I pray that today, that wherever you are, whatever different people that God has placed in your life, that you would open up your heart that you would welcome people that are different, that you would welcome a different culture. Maybe you've got a lot of money. Welcome a, somebody that doesn't. Bless them. Help them succeed. We're in this together. Why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your, your mercy to us. I thank you, Lord, that even while we were still separate, even though we were opposite, we were enemies of you, Lord, you reached across and you saved us. Lord, you reached across with love and you reached out and touched our hearts. And Lord, you brought us together as one. I pray, Lord, for us as a church. Lord, I pray for every one of us. Today, Lord, that you would unite us around your spirit, that you would unite us around your name, Jesus, that you would unite us as a family with all our differences and all our diversity. I pray that today, Lord, that the spirit of unity, the spirit of love would abide upon this church in Jesus' name. Father, I bless every household here today, those who are different, those who are from different countries, from different cultures, from different nations. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would unite us as one, that we would be the city on a hill, the light of the world, salt of the earth. Lord, that you would command a blessing over our lives in Jesus' name. Father, I bless your people today. I bless them with prosperity. Lord, enlarge our heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, come on, Lord God's people said, does somebody want to do some dancing up the front here?
I know you've got some teaching and stuff like that, but sometimes you've just got to lift your hands and allow the Holy Spirit to come and touch your life. Come on, some of you are just a little bit analytical. Come on, just start us. Stand up on our feet. Just lift your hands to the Lord today. All I need is you. Come on, let's lift our voices. Is you, Lord. All I need is you. Lord. Come on, let's lift our voices. All I need is you. We love you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. All I need is you. the voices. Father, that you all from heaven touch every household here today in Jesus' name. We love you. We're grateful to you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow in unity in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, Amen. Who wants to do some soul gazing? Maybe find somebody that's a little different from you and look them in the eyes. I bless you today. Come on. Don't forget Pastor Cyrus next Sunday. It's going to be awesome.